now. All right, Kenny, here we are with another podcast episode. We've been going back and forth about what we're going to talk about. Right. I think where we, the conclusion that we arrived at is we want to talk about eliminating the past and building the future. Eliminating the past and building the future. So what motivated this? What motivated this is what's happening in the world today, right? Uh, and a current event that happened is GameStop stock, right? And Robinhood and all the news around how the old financial system is preventing the little guy from being successful and only helps uh, a certain few. And with GameStop, you know, that situation has made everyone say, hey, we need to eliminate the traditional financial system and build the future. And not only does eliminating the past and building the future apply to this, but it applies to uh, many different areas as well. And the business that we're in, which is recruiting, right? right? If you look at the world of recruiting, everyone hates the state of uh, recruiting. They want to eliminate the past and build the future. And one of the reasons why we got into business is that's exactly what we're here to do. So let's talk about that real quick, right? Um, I guess maybe you could start us off and share from your perspective how you view maybe the state of what has happened in, you know, with, with the GameStop uh, fiasco. And we'll go down that route for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. GameStop was, uh, it's been super interesting. It seems like everybody in the world was talking about it or was following it in some way because, you know, obviously the, the price went up so quickly and the valuation really didn't seem to make any sense. But I think the way that you you said it is like getting rid of the past and building the future is there were, were two kind of big events of uh, retail, just like normal everyday investors, normal everyday people versus the, the big institutions. Um, and the first one was obviously in the very beginning was um, everybody on, on Wall Street bets on Reddit, um, you know, a huge group of people got together and they realized that, um, you know, these hedge funds had basically or basically driving GameStop into the ground, shorting it, um, like overshorting it at like 140% or something, uh, something outrageous. Uh, so they realized that they could take advantage of that and drive the price up, cause a, a short squeeze. So we, we kind of all saw how that, how that played out. So that was this kind of funny dynamic, this weird dynamic of the retail investors were actually able to come together and sort of overpower institutions, which I don't know if something like that has really happened before. I don't really remember anything like that. Um, so that was kind of the the first thing of retail versus the the uh, you know institutions. And then you know obviously a lot of people trade on on Robinhood, and you know Robinhood came in and shut down trading for a very few specific stocks that you know all these these Reddit investors, all these retail investors were were piling into. Um, and we still don't really know. They they didn't really give an example, or they didn't really give a reason for why they did it. But you can kind of speculate that somebody may have been in their ear. Some maybe it was a hedge fund, or or somebody was um, being like, "Hey, we need to we need to stop this. We need to uh, you know shut off trading for for GameStop and for AMC, whatever the other stocks were." So it, yeah, it was a few things where you look at it, and it's you know. Uh, you know, retail was was winning, and then the the institutions came in and shut shut it down. So you know, it's like wh where do we go from here? 
Um, it's like, what's, what's the next step? Um, because you know that that's not fair. It's not really fair for, you know, retail investors. Um, so yeah, yeah. So that, that was, uh, it's been interesting. It's still interesting. And, and I'm curious to see how things continue to develop in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel the same when it came to this situation last week, I was, I'm always trying to understand how the world works. Right. And with this situation coming to pass, I, there was a lot of misinformation out there. I think there was a lot of speculation. I think on the face of it, you know, they'll definitely have someone, you know, Robin Hood will have someone, uh, you know, in their ear telling them what to do, shut off trading. So the, the big guy doesn't lose and the, uh, the little guy does. And what, what I noticed at the end of the day is the old system is just too opaque, right? No one yeah. knows how it works. And when no one knows how it works and there's not any communication, of course, people are going to speculate and try to figure out why, right? Why when the big guys are winning, they can collect all the money. But once it seems like the little guy is uh, winning, everything gets shut off. So what ends up being the truth, no one knows, right? But what I do know is hopefully this system, the current financial system will go away and we could rebuild a new one. And I think, you know, in rebuilding the new one, I guess, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, how far into the future it's going to be. But hopefully all these, you know, crypto startups, the decentralized finance that uh, we're interested in will, uh, you know, eliminate the past and build the future. So, Kenny, I know you're really into this stuff yeah. uh, and we don't always get to talk about it. So, yeah, let's talk about it now. What, what, what do you know about decentralized finance or crypto? Yeah, um... I mean, it's it's tough to even really like get get started there. Um, I guess de decentralized finance, we can we can jump into that. I mean, I I don't know how much people really know about you know B Bitcoin to begin with, but if we're really talking about um, creating you know new infrastructure for um, you know for the future, um, we we can just kind of get into decentralized finance. So um, yeah, the way that I sort of look at it is that pretty much every every trade or, or every sort of like financial transaction can sort of be it can sort of be broken down not as not as an algorithm but as a bunch of you know sort of like if if then statements really i guess if you're getting into like programming um so if these certain conditions are met then we execute the trade um, or we execute whatever transaction that it is um and so that you know, we're, we're doing that now, but it's like, we're all reliant on these certain huge centralized institutions right now. So if I want to do any sort of a trade, um, then I have to go through like Vanguard or Robinhood or something like that. So, you know, the, the way that I guess decentralized finance works is that there's no real middleman. Um, there's just these algorithms basically. And if you want to execute a trade, um, it's just reliant on, um, the, the code that's already put into place and, and basically who runs that is, is, you know, the, the network on which it's built, which is, you know, mostly Ethereum or there's applications that are built on top of Ethereum that, um, yeah, just, just get executed and it doesn't matter who you are or what you're trying to do. Um, as long as the, the code is, is there and it, it's running, um, then your, your transactions are going to go through. Um, so yeah, I guess the big thing is that you're just not reliant on one centralized organization to, 
say yes or no to whatever transaction you want to put through. Yeah, I think that's really powerful, right? Because in the current, under the current system, it seems like when the little guy was winning, they just said, "No, we got to stop." Or I don't know if that is exactly、yeah. what happened, but that's what it seems like. And maybe in this new system, if we destroy the old one and build a new one,、um, there will be a world where. You know, if the little guy's winning, they could just、yeah. keep going, right? So I guess, like, if I were to ask you,、um, what in your mind? So I'm 38, turning 39, and you're 24. Yes, 24. Yeah, 24. Okay. So in your mind, how how do you view、uh, ideally? Like, what's the ideal state for the future? <sighs> That's tough. I feel like a lot of it hasn't. Yeah, it's it's weird. I feel like a lot of it just hasn't really been been built yet.、Um, but yeah, I guess I guess I look at a a future where no sort of boundaries can get in the way of you achieving what you want to achieve. And so for the like decentralized finance,、um, you know, right now there's all these borders and and boundaries between. Um, you know, you have to have a bank account or a brokerage account, or you have to be a an accredited investor. Or if you're in the United States, you have different rules. If you're in a different country, you have different rules.、Um, but I sort of see a, a future where if I have money that I have earned, then I can go and invest that or into anything across the the globe.、Um, like one of the the biggest use cases to me that I, I think is is really interesting is.、Um, You know, being able to invest or, or give money to developing nations and and using sort of a, a global internet currency, whether that be Bitcoin or whatever it may be,、um, that's one of the biggest things. So just really eliminating any sort of you know boundaries to where you can send money and what you want to do with it.、Uh, that's that's a future that I would like to live in, and I think we will. I think eventually we we will. It'll take probably quite a long time. I think it'll probably still take. You know, Bitcoin's only been around for twelve-ish years now, so yeah, I mean, it, we're, we're still really early, and I think there's a a, a lot to still be done. But I, th- I think that's a place where that that we're going. That resonates for me, and、uh, what was going through my mind as you were speaking is, you know, with the current financial system, it's on when it's on, and it's kind of off when it's、mm-hmm. off, right? So. Um, you can only send money、yeah. uh, at, at certain times. If you take a while, if you try to send a wire and it doesn't get sent within、uh, these business hours,、uh, it won't go through for another day.、Mm-hmm. So it's really slow. Always feel like I'm being nickeled and dimed、uh, yeah. by my bank. And when my bank, you know, there's always a new fee that I don't know about. Or some kind of you know charge that they're trying to make, and I have to call them up, waste a lot of time. I get someone on the phone、uh, and wait like forty five minutes or something like that, and not really know what's、uh, going on. I think in terms of what's going on in the world,、uh, a lot of people are being censored on、yeah. social media.、Uh, they're cens- censoring speech. They're censoring money, and I guess I love a world where.、Um, We don't have that, right? And you can send your money whenever you want and access it whenever you want、uh, all over the world. And I think what's happening recently is really opening up、um, everyone's eyes to that. So you know, as we're talking about eliminating、uh, the past and building the future, 
um, I, I, I want to transition the conversation into kind of what we're doing on the day-to-day, right, uh, in our recruiting business. So let's talk a bit about, um, I guess, eliminating the past in, uh, in terms of how recruiting works today uh, and building the future of recruiting. So I don't, I don't know if there's any answers right, yeah. right now, to be honest. I, if I'm fully transparent... I'm just someone that got really sick of how the current state of the industry is uh, and sick enough of it that I went from a VP, VP of engineering to a recruiter mm. and really try to learn the industry inside out, how recruiters think, right? How other hiring managers think and provide a better service out there to improve the state of recruiting. So I guess let's talk about that. I know we talked a bit Um um, during our last podcast about what our frustrations are with recruiting. So I guess we could very briefly outline some of those. So I think some of them uh, are that there's uh, the recruiting industry is opaque, right? And one big thing that I hear everyone say is, you know, I don't know what the salary is when a recruiter reaches out. Yeah. I don't know what the company is right, right. when uh, a recruiter reaches out because recruiters get most recruiters get paid on contingency and they don't want to release the company information unless someone's interested and they could say hey this is my candidate right so I think that that's really frustrating um, some people may get frustrated at the recruiters that aren't transparent uh, in the process, some may act as a, you know, a middleman, if you will, and kind of try to play both sides and, uh, you know, change, the, you know, be the one person uh, on both sides of the conversation, uh, sharing information back and forth. And also some of the recruiting fees uh, that have been out there. So recruiters make quite a bit uh, for the service that they provide. And the, the one that I got frustrated with is, um, even though I like the recruiters as people, it would feel that when I had the service, I would just get sent lots of resumes uh, without a recruiter knowing, uh, you know, uh, if that person's actually got to be good enough for the job. So right. for me, that was enough of the frustrations that I felt on the day to day to want to change the industry. I don't know what some of yours are. So I'd love for you to share, if any. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think. We both, so we obviously come from very different backgrounds. I guess some of my frustrations would actually be coming from hiring managers or coming from the the clients who have positions for us. Um, I remember one in particular. I mean, I won't, I won't say anything, but uh, they, you know, in order to even submit a candidate down to, uh, you know, a position for them, even to just get their resume submitted to their managed service provider who reviews the resumes and then sends them to the hiring manager just to get them submitted. We had to fill out, um, we had to fill out a, a whole form. Um, we had to get them to, to fill out like their, their address and all their contact information. And we even needed to ask for a full social security number up front so they could check to ensure that they hadn't worked at the, the institution in the past, I don't know, 18 months or something like that. Um, so if you're a candidate who, um, you know, specifically a software developer who's probably probably gets quite a lot of requests um, to, 
you know, interview for positions, you know, if you're a really strong Java developer, you probably wake up every morning and have a thousand messages on LinkedIn from recruiters. Um, like that to, to try and work on those positions and get people who are interested and sending them down. If they have to do all this extra work up front, then, you know, they're, they're probably not going to be interested. So that was one thing. I think there's just a, a, a I think the biggest thing is just a disconnect between the, the hiring manager and the, the, um, the candidate at, at the end of the line um, in terms of, you know, what does a candidate need in terms of being interested in a position and from a hiring manager as well as like, what are the skill sets that are really important? There's just a big disconnect in, in, in the middle there. And that was something that could be a, a, a bit frustrating, especially if you're not able to, to meet with the hiring manager consistently. Yeah, I mean, I hear you. So I guess what was, you know, out of all this frustration, what what was the result, right? So it sounds like a really bad system. And what, what do you see happen at the end of the day? Um, yeah, sometimes we just don't even, sometimes the position will just, just fizzle out. I remember a few times I'd wake up in the morning and I would have just a, a notification from, you know, the 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 client the organization from their their vendor management system and it would just say position closed or position open and it would just say false like so the position was closed out and you don't really know what happened um it's like did they hire somebody sometimes their hiring manager could put a note in there sometimes they wouldn't um so it'd be it would be tough it's like you try to go through all this work to find uh first of all a good candidate um, they have to do all this work and they have to fill out all these forms and they have to do a, a coding test. Uh, so you need to get that set up. So there's a, a lot to do up front. And then at the end, you don't even really know what happened. Like, even if you find somebody who's good and you can submit them down, um, sometimes you don't even know what the end result was. You know, it, it would be really helpful to, for if you saw, oh, the hiring manager hired a candidate. This is what their background was. This is what they look like. These are the reasons why we hired this person. Um, and this is why they were better than, than your candidate that you submitted. It would be nice to know all that information. Um, but sometimes you don't. So it's hard to make adjustments as a recruiter or as an organization, if you, if you don't really know what went wrong the, the first time. Yeah. I mean, that resonates a lot. I think the, uh, what I, if I'm understanding it correctly, it's just, uh, maybe a little bit more communication, a little bit more transparency, a uh, little bit better of sure. a process to work, uh, you know, with, um, you know, others that may be helping you get uh, great candidates in the pipeline. What else? What other what frustrations that uh, you had or like what, uh, you know, you know, how else, you know, what about the current system would you want to eliminate or change? Um, I, I think... Yeah, I guess we, it's kind of funny that it comes back to this, but like eliminating barriers or, or boundaries. I mean, sometimes, and I understand why companies would would do it is have a vendor management system because they they want to be as objective as possible when they receive resumes from uh, a bunch of different staffing agencies, um, so that they want to remain as objective as possible there. But we're when we're not supposed to, like we're not supposed to, like not allowed to, you know, technically engage in conversation with the hiring manager that that makes it it just makes it really difficult to do your job i mean at the end of the day like i try really hard to break things down to their simplest form at the end of the day the the goal like the the goal is for the hiring manager to end up with the best candidate to get the job done and that will fit in with their team um and 
the, the best way to do that is for the hiring manager to be able to tell us directly what they need. Um, and if we don't, if we don't get that, then it makes it really tough and it's frustrating. You've said, you know, like you, sometimes you get candidates that, that aren't even really necessarily close to what you're looking for. And we're, we, a lot of times we really are trying our best, but we just, it's tough. Cause we don't exactly know we have a, a little bit of trouble there. So I think that would be the biggest thing is just uh, eliminating, you know, sort of all these added steps and, and these barriers, which make it tough to communicate. Um, and, and opening up those lines of communication with between hiring managers and recruiters and candidates. Mm, I think that's really powerful. And as we kind of um, think about all the things in the existing system that we want to eliminate, I guess if we had a, if we each had a magic <laughs> wand and we could kind of like create the new world of recruiting, I mean, I, I guess we are in our day-to-day work, but I guess if we were just to take a step further, like what would be, ideal right and we could think out loud we could share things that we're already doing today but you know what what should be done so that companies can much uh you know much easier make it much easier to hire candidates yeah i think i think there's a few i mean it's it's (laughs) it's tough to to try and figure that out because it really depends on the organization it depends on um, you know, for, for us as a recruiting service, what, what client it is that we're working with and like what they really want to do in whatever position they're hiring for. There's a lot that, that goes into it. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's tough because it depends on, you know, did they have an internal recruiter that they're, they're working with, or are they just working with an external recruiting company? Um, so I think a, a lot of it depends on the, the client. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a little bit tough. I mean, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, and I'll, I'll just preface it again that I've been an internal hiring manager. I've been a external kind of like interim head of talent and, you know, I've done retained searches. And sure. I think that the secret really is to re- reduce friction as much as possible during the interview process. So if you look at the old world where you kind of have this, um, you have a hiring manager and then the hiring manager will talk to an internal or external recruiter. Um, and then that external, internal or external recruiter then tries to find the candidates and have meaningful conversations with the candidates. And I think if I had a magic wand, I don't know how this will work, um, have the hiring manager be able to directly speak to candidates, right? Sure. Um, if I had a magic wand, that would probably be the number one thing. How you do that at scale, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Some tactics that, you know, so if you say, if you kind of look at how we are working with uh, startups today, right? I'm a, I'm a former VPE. So I get in there, I talk to all the stakeholders, I talk to the head of engineering VP CTO and I become a de facto kind of CTO on the hiring side. And then I go right. and talk to people, right. And candidates that we send over, they're going to be great because I'm a technical person. Let's say there were uh, you know, a world where there isn't that middle person uh, like, like us as external recruiters or even internal recruiters. I think one strategy is getting as much information from the hiring manager and the hiring team's minds 
onto like a, you know, either the job description or another document that kind of shares with the candidate sure. what, what they're looking for, what the hiring process is, et cetera. And, we, you know, I've done that with one of my clients and it works out really well because every single step of the hiring process is very clear up front. All the salaries are up front. You know, kind of what they're looking for is up front. The rubrics that we're using on all the assessments are up front and candidates know, and there's a lot of transparency. Uh, when we go and do this, there ends up being a lot of friction yeah. in terms of, I mean, there's less friction than before because we're moving information up front, but there's still friction and I need to go and talk to hiring managers and I need to kind of like pick their brain and put on paper. So, you know, I'm just really thinking out loud and sharing my experience, but if there are a way for you know, internal teams to kind of do this, um, they could do much, much better than they are today, which is um, a place where candidates have no idea what the job is, what the salary right. is, who the hiring manager is, what the hiring process is, and they're playing a game of telephone with internal and external recruiters. I gotcha. Yeah, so I guess going off that, so why do you think things are so unclear now. I know we, we talked about it, how there's a bunch of maybe steps in between the candidate and the, the hiring manager, but why do you think it's it's difficult or or it seems strange to have all that information up front? Like, like for a, a job description, if you're a hiring manager and you want to go publish it, to have all that information, like here are the steps, here's the salary, here's the benefits. This is, you know, this is it. This is, this is what to expect. Um, yeah. Wh why do you think there's that, that there's maybe a disconnect there right now? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Kenny. And I think as I was a hiring manager with all the frustrations paying insane amount of fees to recruiters, yeah. um, that, that's when I first started getting interested in the question that you're asking. And I think there's a lot of problems. I'll just be, I'll just give my hot take. <laughs> Hopefully I don't uh, anger anyone. <laughs> Go for it. Um, hiring managers suck at hiring first of all they don't they none of us ever get any kind of training right like going from a ic to a manager to manager managers i never got any training i had to go and read books yeah there's not a lot of good information out there on how to like train uh your internal teams on how to be like power recruiters if you will like train your manager so for example like in the hiring process, not only do you need to have a great candidate experience, but the hiring manager needs to be able to close the candidate, yeah. right? Like you want to work here because ABC and mm -hmm. sell that really well. You know, hiring managers don't get training on that. So first of all, hiring managers have no idea what's going on and they learn trial by fire, right? So for the young managers out there, you know, they're just, just really trying to figure out along the way. Second, I think internal, unfortunately, internal recruiting teams are just as challenged, uh, not to a fault of, the, you know, of their own in that, you know, not like they're not trying, but if you're trying to ask an internal or external recruiter to have a meaningful technical conversation, it's really hard, right? Yeah. Um, I think being able to, um, you know, the, the best that has been done is okay. What, what are the technologies? Java, JavaScript, 
yeah. you know, like front end, back end, microservices, monolith. That's why I think in the industry, we hear, hey, recruiters will go like check check boxes and then like send resumes over. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, that's a, a really big frustration. Right. So that's why you see the state of recruiting as it is. A candidate will go through an uh, insane amount of interviews, first round phone screen, text screen, yeah. uh, algorithm exercise, a full day on site, and then they get ghosted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and who they're getting ghosted by? Who knows? The internal team, the external team, the hiring manager. So yeah. it's, it, there's a lot of gaps right now in terms of training, in terms of tools, um, that in terms of skills that don't allow um, for a good recruiting process, right? And I guess what we try to do here is try to make each, you know, make each a little bit better. Uh, yeah. But there, there's so much to be done in each one of these processes that um, I, I think it's going to be uh, quite a while until like the tools and the trainings are in place which is good for us because we get to yeah, continue yeah. building a business right. uh, you know, that would bridge these gaps. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I guess there's no real like best practices or, or anything out there. Like when I, when I think of it, I don't know of any resources. Obviously, I, I did a lot of internal training um, at my previous company and we did a really good job of that. They did a really good job of explaining this is our process. This is why we do things. And I think we did a really good job of training, at least on the the recruiting side. Um, but yeah, I guess training for hiring managers for actually hiring is uh, is maybe something that that is that that may be lacking a little bit. Do, I mean, do you think when you you say that the tools may not necessarily be there yet um, in terms of that full life cycle of recruitment, communicating between hiring manager, recruiter, and candidate? Um, when you say tools, do you just mean like a, a process or, or something to follow? Or do you mean like actually maybe technology? Like, do, do you have a, an idea of, of what you mean yeah. there? So I, I think all of that. So just take a step back. If you look at the state of recruiting today and why it's messed up is you have hiring manager who is the expert. You have an internal or external recruiter that's playing a game of telephone. And then you have the candidate. And by playing this game of telephone and and, and having uh, this intermediate source kind of like guide everything that's neither expert on the candidate nor expert on, you know, the hiring manager's mm -hmm. technical skill, it causes all the friction and hatred that's happening today. Yeah. That's why I got into this business because I said, you know, these external recruiters are not capable enough to do the job well enough that's needed. So I'm going to be that intermediate person and I'm a qual I'm qualified because I've been a hiring manager and right. I've been the candidate. So now I'm, I'm in the middle and I'm making everything a lot better for the same cost that current external recruiters are charging. Right. So I'm on a consulting basis. I'm educating the hiring manager on how to create a great technical interview uh, how to close candidates, right? Um, how to write a good job description, how to use some of these tools. And I'm also on the flip side, I'm talking to a candidate to know exactly what they want in terms of a future job and what's communicated on one side is communicated much more properly sure. on the other side. So I would say that in a ideal state, 
this middle piece would go away. Like I would go away. The current recruiters would yeah. go away. Right. And there's either tools or processes to fill it. And what kind of tools, what kind of processes? So let's talk about sure. tools first. I don't know if there's a, um, I don't know if the current tools are there yet, but there's some level of right. automation in terms of like when you use these, um, you know, like, um, like greenhouse, right. for example, right. To allow people to apply their jobs. And there are going to be these tools uh, like LinkedIn recruiter. So I would say in the future, a hiring manager will use some version of LinkedIn recruiter, the expensive one that you and I are paying sure, for sure. today, which is between like, I think like 500 grand a month or okay, something well. like that. Right. Um, so a hiring manager will have that. They would know how to use it and they would be effective in getting okay. candidates. Right. Uh, an ideal tool would be uh, an easy way to vet those candidates. Right. Um, and how do you vet those candidates? And I think there are a lot of tools on the market that try to vet candidates that aren't, uh, aren't very True. good. Uh, there's services out there that says, Hey, we'll do technical interviews for candidates and only send you those that score the highest. I've seen though, I've used some of them. I've seen them not yeah. work, but today there are a lot of those tools on the market. And so if the tools are not yet there, you have to use a tool and kind of apply it yourself. So for example, uh, for one of my clients, we say, okay, when I talk to them, I said, what's really important for hiring a candidate? They say, we care. A candidate must care about the industry that we're in. Okay. So on the job application, we have a checkbox or not a checkbox, but a uh, uh, open form that says, why are you interested in this industry in particular, right? And I know that sounds super simple, but hiring managers don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you will have a candidate apply to a job, write this insane cover letter, yeah. wait two weeks, get a call. You know, they'll know what the job is. They'll know what the hiring manager is. You know, they'll do a technical interview, Right. And they're like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? But I need a job. And they'll still go on through this process. And they still don't know that the number one, one of the number one criteria is X. So yeah. what I try to do as the intermediate person is really listen and say, okay, you really, really care about X. Let's yeah. move X up front. So I'm kind of that middle person doing manuals. It's pretty manual. Sure. But it's still 10 times better than what exists today. What I, I guess if I had a magic wand, what I would go and company will turn into is like maybe there's a like a technology arm or something. Yeah. That yeah. We built a tool or like we're we're so good at this process that we use some kind of automation to like automate it. But yeah, I, I think I went on there for a while. I don't know if <laughs> no, I answered no. a question, but the idea is like I'm the inter intermediary current external or internal recruiters are intermediary and it'd be good to you know, continue building pro both processes and tools to eliminate what's in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, maybe if we, uh, if we start building out our own tools, I guess I have to learn a little bit of, uh, <laughs> development. I'll, <laughs> I'll have to take, uh, I'll take some lessons from you. Um, yeah, that, that's, that was good. I forget what I was going to say. Um, um, like when you, when you were talking about, I guess, eliminating friction between the, uh, the, the hiring manager and recruiter. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah. One, one of the things that, and this is what I found to be unique when I was interviewing with you and, and just talking to you about what it is that, that you were looking to do. And you said that you have a lot more of that consultative side of things. So, you know, when, when we go into, you know, help, help a client, it's not like, okay, you, you need a Java developer. Okay. We'll, we'll get X, Y, and Z. We'll give you the candidate and then, you know, pay us and then, <laughs> then buy. Um, it's, it's like, we come in and we say, oh, what issues are you having maybe with your interview process now? Um, maybe change this, like tweak this a little bit, um, to, to eliminate that friction. And these are things that the hiring manager can continue to use down the line. Um, it's not like a one-time thing where we deliver, you know, one or two candidates. It's where we're able to deliver candidates, but we're also giving you some tools or just ideas and, and they can take them and, and do what they want with them, but just tools and ideas that first of all, help to hire this, this candidate. So now you can use those moving forward. You can kind of implement them, tweak them and have your own, um, interview process. That's hopefully a bit better than, than maybe what you had in place. If they even had an interview process in place, or if they were just kind of going, going off the cuff. But I think that's something that is, is really important is to try and, you know, get that standardized process down. And that's something that I think, uh, I was really interested in, in when you were first talking about, it. I think it's something that that's really useful for, for hiring managers in the future. Yeah. Thank, thanks for highlighting that there. And Here's the mindset that I have. When I used to be an engineer, uh, I used to hear like this phrase uttered, which at first I it was like kind of paradoxical to me, but over time I knew exactly what they were saying. Automate yourself out of a job. And at first I was like, wait, why would I want to do that? <laughs> if I'm like, if I automate myself, I won't have a job. Right. And but when I when I actually started to do it, I got not only did I get really good at my current skill, but I got really good at other skills. And I realized how powerful automating yourself out of a job can be. And that's why I don't hesitate at all. If this whole world didn't need a middle person anymore, yeah, I know that I'd be doing something even more amazing. But I, what I know for a fact is there are tens of thousands, I don't know, like hundreds of thousands of startups out there that still yeah. struggle with hiring. If I helped one and I taught them how to be a great hiring team and have the best process, there's going to be 99,000 others that still need my help. So you're right. And I didn't highlight this, um, but basically what we do with our clients is we educate them, right? Mm -hmm. We help them make a scalable, repeatable process. They're happy and there's always new things to learn. Right. And new processes to improve. So for example, like we redid a hiring process an engineering hiring process for one of my clients, they had several hundred applicants, 40 co-tests, no hires over, um, actually the course of a year. And within a month of redoing the hiring process, they were able to hire five people. And now they're going to continue to use that process to hire other candidates and right. they're very happy. And for me, I'm very happy. Because yeah. that's a happy client and they're going to recommend me to others. And I'm happy to do that for other uh, organizations. So, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like what I hope to accomplish here is we're educating people. Um, that's why I have zero uh, hesitation of uh, releasing the templates and strategies that we're going to do. Uh, so I'm very excited for that, by the way, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, to the world. So we got to create all these templates and resources and strategies, and we got to put it out in the open and hope, hopefully people use them. 
Yeah. 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 No, I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been, it's been interesting. It's been fun so far. I mean, I know we're probably coming up on time here, but um, yeah, just working through that, that whole process and really, really digging down into what is, what does a good interview process look like to me as like a recruiter, I, I had, I, I was so unaware that I, I thought that everybody knew those things, um, but just because it, it sort of not came second nature to me, but I was so used to like the day to day and and being in that world that I don't realize that a lot of people didn't get the training or they they don't see the hiring process behind the scenes. Um, so it's it's yeah, it's really really useful information. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, I think it's you know, there, there are going to be some tools, there'll be some templates, hopefully that are very helpful for, for everyone. It's been helpful for me uh, to really be able to get those, those thoughts and ideas out there. So yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Awesome. And I'm excited as well. And I guess as we wrap up on the conversation, any final thoughts you want to leave for me or you want to leave for our listeners? Um, I don't know. I, delete your Robinhood account. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> oh my gosh. I, sorry. I deleted mine a little bit earlier today, but, um, no, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think if you're a, a candidate, um, and you're in any sort of interview process, just don't, don't be afraid to ask those types of questions up front. Um, if there are some things that are lingering, maybe you apply to something, it seems like a, an interesting position, but you don't have all the details. Don't be afraid to, to ask, um, and, and try to reach out to your recruiter, maybe more proactively. Um, sometimes they're just things that slip our minds that we should have shared. Um, sometimes there are things that, you know, we can easily go and get the answers for you. So, uh, don't be afraid. Um, if some of the things aren't, aren't there up front. Yeah. Just, just always ask. Yeah. And I guess, um, uh, so I hear you about deleting Robinhood. <laughs> uh, I'm certainly in the camp of eliminating the past and building the future. And sure. I guess my, uh, only advice for all hiring managers and startups uh, as be as transparent as possible, as early as possible, and you're going to save a lot of time and a lot of en energy, and you're going to find a lot more of the right people. So Kenny, it's been amazing spending, oh, wow, I think we spoke for an hour this time. It's been yeah, amazing spending an hour. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to the next one. And to our listeners, thank you so much. Uh, you, you get a gold star if you made it this far. <laughs> uh, thank you and have a great day. Awesome. Thank you. Bye.